What's up, guys? It's Zach Neal. How are you doing? How are you feeling? How are you? Hope everything's good. Today's episode is called This Motherfucker Ripped Me Off for a Million Dollars and Left Me to Die. And it's a true story. So you guys know me, right? You've listened to a few of my podcasts. You know, I'm always on that positive tip and I'm still on that positive tip. Nothing has changed. And I'm all about empathy and feeling other people's pain and disposition and empathizing with them. And I'm all about love. And I think a hug is better than a fight, right? And I I believe that stuff 100%. And I'm all about forgiveness and turn the other cheek. I believe in this so hard. But none of that has anything to do with someone fucking you over and you talking about it. Because when someone fucks you over really hard, other people deserve to hear about it. So that it doesn't happen to them. And if a person... How should I put this? If a person accidentally fucks you over... Like, they're not a bad person, but they just... They made a move in business or in life that fucked you over. Like, look. Your girlfriend cheated on you, okay? That doesn't mean that your girlfriend's a cheater. It just means she cheated on you. Everybody's entitled to have some fuck-ups from time to time and not be crucified for them. But in this situation, there's a man... A... Quotations... Man that made a living and is now again trying to make a living in the public eye by fucking people over and ruining their lives. Stealing from them a a charlatan, a scam artist, a corrupt businessman, an intentional scammer. These are all the things that I think that this man is, okay? So I'm going to tell you a story. You've heard me talk about origin stories. You've heard me talk about my past, my childhood, where I come from, humble beginnings, low education, all of that stuff. But you may have briefly heard me comment on the fact that sometime in my mid-30s, oh, just about a few years ago, (laughs) early 30s, I should say, not quite mid-30s, but sometime in my early 30s, approximately almost five years ago, I was doing pretty good. I had started an ad agency, and if you don't know what an ad agency is, It's an agency that creates advertising for other people and marketing. And so companies and brands and businesses and entertainers would hire my company to create marketing for them. Television commercials, radio commercials, internet ads, logos, slogans, copying, you know, copywriting, all of that stuff we did for some really big, impressive names and brands, some Fortune 5 companies like Disney and Universal and all the way down to mom and pop shops we did some restaurants and bars and just some fun projects with friends of ours and small businesses because we weren't we weren't snooty we if your dollars were green and we liked your product we would try to help you out so i was doing that and i was doing really good with it and i thought because i'd been from the music business and i had a lot of struggle there and i'd done a lot of different things and after i kind of was getting out of the music business or trying to It's like getting out of the mob. Uh, I wanted to dabble a little bit and try a bunch of different shit, you know, because I felt like everyone always told me I would never be anything. I would never be good at anything. I had no education. I come from a dumbass family. I'm just going to be another dumbass, white trash, hillbilly, poor motherfucker that doesn't amount to anything. So I wanted to try my hand at business outside of music. I wanted to put on a shirt and tie for a brief period. Uh, Now I'm all about shirts and ties, to be honest, because I think I clean up nice. But back then, it was very taboo being a punk rock kid. 
So, but I wanted to try and see how I would do in a boardroom, how I would do in a real marketing meeting up against people with college educations. And so I was all about this ad agency and doing that with my friends, right? But we still did it the punk rock way. We were still very, you know, unique in our approach, very do-it-yourself, very, uh, very DIY ethic in the shit that we did. Anyway, I wanted to get something that was bigger and better than just an ad agency. I wanted something that would last for a long time that would be a big boom a big fucking fireworks show right that would line my pockets with enough money that I could retire by 40 years old and then spend the rest of my life doing philanthropy work because believe it or not my dream in life right I have a dream in life my actual goal and I've never shared this publicly only with close friends but this is my true dream in life the thing I want to do more than anything it consists of four activities, just four. (laughs) Here they are. What I want to do for a living, and by living I mean something that I'm actually not going to get paid for, is I want to make so much money that I don't have to worry about money again for the rest of my life. And I want to accomplish this before I'm too old that my body doesn't work as awesome as it does now, right? So that I can do philanthropy work. Philanthropy work is basically a fancy term for charity work, but I want to do specific types of charity. I want to bring wholesome food. Starting in the United States, I want to help end poverty by ending hunger in America. I want to feed children and adults, anybody who is actually struggling to eat in this country. I want to feed them, but I want to feed them good food. And I want to spread the message of organic, whole food eating and If I can sprinkle some veganism in there and get away with it without people losing their fucking mind because you guys love your bacon, just kidding, kind of, sort of, I would love to sprinkle some veganism in there as well and teach people about better diet and taking care of your body. But most importantly, before we get into that, people who are starving will eat anything, but we want to give them good food and get them fed, right? And then I want to continue philanthropy work worldwide. I want to bring water to people who don't have water food to people who don't have food, medicine to people who don't have medicine. I want to do some fucking really good things for the planet before I check out. And that's my real dream. I love helping people. I love problem solving. My two favorite things. I love the challenge of a problem and solving it. And I love helping people. So philanthropy work is what I'm called to do. Unfortunately, you can't make much of a dent with philanthropy if you don't have any fucking money. So you got to have a shit ton of money so that A, you can feed yourself first and B, you got to have a lot of money to give away. Got to have $10 million so you can give $9 million of it away. You see what I'm saying? So anyway, that's the number one thing I want to do. Number two, I want to spend time with family. Of course, I want to raise my daughter. So I should cut that back. I don't really consider the family as a part of that list because it's like on a whole other level. But if I had to include that, that would be number one, would be raising my daughters and getting to spend every single day with them that I can. Number two would be the philanthropy work. And then number three is fishing. I just want to go fishing. I want to be outside, someplace warm, on the land, by a river, on the boat, in the ocean, doesn't matter. I want to be outside in good weather fishing, and I want to ride motorcycles, number four. Those are the only four things I really want to do when I'm done doing everything else that I do. And music was my first love, so I'll, I'll, be, I'll be selfish and sprinkle a number five on there. Give me some instruments to tinker with while I'm doing that, maybe a little recording setup so I can record some songs from time to time. And I'll be super happy, right? I will watch 
horror movies every night in Tim Burton films and Will Ferrell flicks, and I'll watch Star Wars marathons and Harry Potter marathons with my kids every weekend, and I will do nothing but philanthropy work, and I will ride motorcycles and go fishing every fucking day and be happy as a pig in the mud. Anyway, this back to the story. This is where I thought I was heading. I needed to come up with an idea, a product, something tangible, so to speak, that would be revolutionary and change the fucking world in some regard. And of course, when you do come up with an idea like that, you us- it usually involves you making many millions and millions of dollars. So I put my nose down, I worked, I grinded, and I came up with the idea. It was called BizShare. It was a simple concept that still to this day isn't being done. It's a business-to-business platform to reach consumers. Essentially, and I'm going to make this really quick because this product is not the point of this podcast. This podcast is about the filthy motherfucker that robbed me of a million dollars and left me to die in a ditch. So I'm going to get to the point. This idea was called BizShare. What BizShare did is it solved a massive problem for businesses. Here's the problem. If you're not in business, you might not know this, but if you are, or if you're paying attention, social media platforms like Facebook specifically limit your audience reach, meaning that you might have 3,000 friends or 3,000 followers in the business sense, but when you post something, you only reach 10 to 20% of them now because Facebook intentionally throttles your audience so you can't reach all your followers Even though it's your page, even though these people have chosen to follow you, they put a gap, a stopgap between you and your audience because they want you to pay to reach your full audience. They want you to pay for saturation. Now, as a businessman, I say that's smart. As a human being, I say that's shit. And I believe in a free and open market in all things and let them figure out how to monetize their platform make their advertising to the point where you can reach new people instead of reaching your own people. It's complete bullshit that you have to pay to reach your own fucking people. You should just be paying to reach new people, but I digress. What my platform did was it undermined Facebook's bullshit throttling and it created a way for businesses to get audience saturation without having to pay every time to run an ad. They did have to pay something and I'll get to that. Essentially what it was was this. I want you to think about every state in the United States and break it up into every single town, small towns, big towns, cities, cities would get divided into 15 parts, right? Inside of a regular small town, how many businesses exist? Hundreds. How many of them are non-competitive? Meaning a tire shop doesn't compete with a pizza parlor, a pizza parlor doesn't compete with a grocery store, a grocery store doesn't compete with a bait and tackle store, a bait and tackle store doesn't compete with a clothing store, A clothing store doesn't compete with a muffler shop. A muffler shop doesn't compete with a donut shop and so on and so forth. So you get all of the businesses that want to sign up in a town, right? And you have them sign up by category. Food, donut shop, fashion, clothing store, automotive, muffler, automotive, tire, etc., etc., right? We build this platform kind of like Hootsuite, if you're familiar with that. And if not, doesn't matter. Where basically what happens is non-competing businesses start sharing their audience with each other on a weekly basis. You get a new trade partner every week. So let's say I'm a pizza shop and you're a car shop. We don't compete with each other, so we don't mind promoting each other. We're in the same town. So I have a thousand followers, you have a thousand followers. Chances are 
they're not the same followers, right? Or at least a vast majority of them aren't crossover followers. So we become partners. It's an automated system. Each business signs up. They pay $99 a month. They get 52 partners a year, a new partner every week that's non-competitive. In their market, they can pay a little extra and they can get partners outside their market, like ones that are maybe the next town over that they might be able to get people to come over. But basically what they do is they post for each other, but it's all automated so they don't have to do the work. They just upload what they want the other business to say, any pictures they want them to use, etc. And then they have a trackable advertising bottom line. For instance, I'm the pizza shop. You're the, the, the tire shop. Here's how it goes. It's Monday afternoon. My pizza shop posts. Hey, guys, if you haven't heard, Mike's Automotive is open and they have a great deal on tires. One of the best tire shops in our area. They have great pricing and great service. Little picture of their logo. Click here if you want to get 10% off your next tire purchase at Mike's for a special coupon, right? The same day, Mike's shop posts about Zach's Pizza and says, Zach's Pizza, best pizza in town. Had it for lunch yesterday. Amazing. If you haven't tried it yet, here's a coupon. Buy one, get one pies or whatever you're going to put up there, right? And they share it with a link. So you can track how many people are actually interacting with the link or using your coupon to see who's a good partner. I don't know if you think that this is brilliant, but we sure did. It's $99 a month. You can get a new trade partner every week. You have the ability to reach thousands and thousands and thousands of people from other businesses promoting each other. So this is like the ultimate like small businesses working together town by town to promote each other. This was not open to large corporations. This was only available to small businesses. We weren't going to work with like McDonald's or Pepsi. That was off the table. This was business to business marketing so that consumers could find out more about products. And at the end of the day, the end consumer benefited because it was always attached to some sort of discount or coupon or special thing. We started developing this idea. Okay, I'm done talking about the idea now. We started developing it. We put it into work. We did a beta testing. We signed up some local businesses in a small town that we were working in and tried it. And boy, did it fucking work like gangbusters. It was great. We started pitching it out to the market to see if anybody was interested. And someone was. A very popular company that creates the Yellow Pages was interested in purchasing this. And there was a number of $10 million thrown around right out of the gate. It would seem foolish to sell something totally out that doesn't even exist yet, but someone already thinks it's worth $10 million. So we opted to hold on that and keep talking. Along comes this guy. I'm going to refer to him as the motherfucker that stole a million dollars from me and left me in a ditch to die. That's how I'm going to refer to him. Or the motherfucker that ripped me off for a million dollars and left me in a ditch to die. His name is Mike Warren. On Instagram, he goes as the Mike Warren. He touts himself as a public figure, a business maverick, a seven-time international best-selling author. Every single word of that, in my opinion, is complete bullshit. And as far as the author, seven-time best-selling author, factually complete bullshit. This guy is not a best-selling anything except a best-selling moron. No one has ever bought a book from him. He's not a real published author. He's one of these scam guys. He's the guy that runs the, like, tiny classified ads in the back of dozens of newspapers to get rich on real estate, business in a box. He sells these DVD programs and all these other things online. Join my real estate team for $1,000. I'll give you 
all the secrets to selling and buying real estate. He's one of these guys, right? He came to me through a mutual friend, somebody that I respected, somebody that was a real businessman. And he told me, I don't know a lot about this guy, but he seems like the real deal, Zach. And what he's doing right now is he's looking to buy businesses. He's looking to buy businesses between $100,000 and $500,000 to buy them outright. So that has no interest to me. I'm not looking to sell my business. I'm starting something great. I'm looking for investors and partners. So he gets me a call with this guy. I've done no research on him. My bad. No research. I do a call with the guy. The guy seems very bright over the phone. Very, very bright. Drops a lot of names like Richard Branson, Bill Gates. He's dropping huge business names. Oh, he does business with everybody. He travels the fucking world. Africa, Asia, you name it. This guy's been all over the world doing business. And he does the business with the biggest and best. And now his business is flipping businesses or creating new business models for the future. And he's got a shit ton of money, according to him. And he loves my idea. And he is ready to invest. His offer, $1.5 million to buy 50% of the company, of the idea, right? Now, that seems a little low. Remember, we already have a verbal offer from another company for $10 million to buy it. So that would mean that the market value at that time was $10 million. 50% would be $5 million, but... Here's the caveat. These other guys are just trying to buy it. This guy doesn't want to buy it. He wants to pay to become our partner. The money that he's paying isn't going in my pocket. This money is here to finance the first two years of operations because what he wants to do is build this into a billion dollar business. He has all the tools, the staff, the corporate offices, the resources, the assistants, the marketing teams, and the money to design, develop, and build this platform out to, by his projections, it would be making $1 million a month within 12 months, $4 million a month within 24 months, right? At that point, it would have a, you know, a $100 million evaluation just after two years. And then we would sell, not all of it, we'd sell a large chunk of it to some publicly traded company for a billion dollars and we all go to the bank and I get to fucking go and do philanthropy work and spend time with my kids and fish and play my guitar and ride my motorcycle and ride off into the sunset. Sounds great. So I contact a friend of mine who is a great attorney, one of my mentors, one of my closest friends. The guy's name is Mike Rodriguez. He is now a federal judge for the state of New York, a very accomplished entertainment attorney turned federal judge and a fantastic human being that taught me almost everything I knew about business up until that point. Nobody that I trust more with a contract, nobody that I trust more in business than Mike Rodriguez. He is an A++ guy. Now I go to him to do the deal. He does the deal. He looks over the contract. He approves it. It's a good contract. It's ironclad. They are giving us $1.5 million in investment. We're giving them 50%. The expectation versus the reality is that they are going to turn this business into, this man and his team are going to turn this business into a multi, multi, multi million dollar venture. They're going to flip this whole thing around and make it amazing. 
The deal is they're going to give us $100,000 a month for like 15 months. That's going to be our operating capital because we're going to need big operating capital. We need offices. We need a big staff. We need a physical sales force to go out and sell this thing every day. So we need people to sell it. So we need 25 people on staff to go market to market by different to start putting this into like its beta phase. We need tons of computers. I'm talking like 50 Mac, you know, MacBooks. We need, you know, 25 Mac, uh, you know, iMac desktops. We need printers and scanners. We need a hundred iPads program with our whole program because that's what the sales team is using iPads and we need a lot of stuff. So we need tens of thousands of dollars worth of computer equipment, a big office, lots of employees and staff, training people, insurance, the whole nine yards. We need a lot of money to start up. So the deal is we're going to sign the contract. Now, this man told me in advance that he would not be able to fund the first month until the second month because the deal happened quick. He had to move some money around. No problem. But he was going to give me $30,000 to get started, right? 30 grand to get started. <laughs> then the next amount, the balance of the 70,000 would come a couple weeks later. And then the next month we'd get the full 100,000. No problem. Very long story short. What do you think happened? We signed the contract. A little while later, a, a drip came in 10 grand. Then I had to be like, that's not enough money to do anything. Then another drip came in. Then, then he started getting mad that I had an ad agency. He started accusing me of not putting enough of my time and dedication into this. I had to be fully dedicated. He needed me to close my ad agency. Well, I had clients and employees, so I couldn't do that. So I turned my ad agency over to a partner of mine to let him run it for a little while. And that didn't work out too good because all the clients were really attached to me. So they started calling and saying, if Zach's not handling our account anymore, we're canceling our contracts. So I called this guy back and I said, listen, this is how I feed my family right now. I, I'm giving up my business. Well, what are you worried about? You're going to put yourself on a nice salary, Zach. You're getting a hundred grand a month. Put yourself on a $10,000 a month salary. That should cover your expenses and keep you in good shape while you're building your business out. No problem. Okay. But that money hasn't come in yet and it's been three weeks and I've only gotten $30,000 and it's been three weeks since we signed. At this point, I'm supposed to already have a hundred grand and I've got 30 and he says, can you front the money? Here's the part you want to pay attention to. Can you front the money, Zach, for the next month of operations while I'm getting this stuff sorted out? There's some, a couple of real estate pieces coming in, and I, I might even bring in a European investor partner to uh, to work on this with me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move some things around. But if you can just give me a month, if you can just, you know, I've, look, I've given you 30000 I've signed a contract, I'm committed. If you can just give me 30000 or give me, uh, you know, some money for the next month to, to, to cover this. If you can cover it, I'll get you fully reimbursed and I'll get you all the back money within a month. But I need you to quit. And the guy was so adamant about me quitting my ad agency and like giving up everything. And just because I'm going to need your 100% focus on this, Zach, you got to be 100% focus. This is what he kept pounding into the ground. 100% focus, right? So like a dumbass, I did it because me and my buddy are, are we're popping bottles. We're at our office like we fucking did it because we know this is a great idea and we know that we've got the goods. We already had an offer for $10 million, at least a verbal offer. I want to put that out there. It wasn't like a real hard offer. It was somebody saying they'd probably be interested in buying this from you and probably would offer $10 million for it. So we know it's got a big value. We think that we are two years away from being like Forbes 40 under 40 billionaire boys that I'm going to get $150 million, $200 million when this thing sells. 
And that's it. I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing charity. I'm, I'm cashing the checks in my mind already. So yeah, I did it like a dumbass. I tanked my ad agency. I fucking killed it, right? Killed my agency. We had opportunities to have our agency bought by bigger agencies. We're looking to buy our agency. People, we had a big business going there, a big business, a half a million dollars in billings kind of business, you know, a year, you know, a big, a big, small agency. Let's put it that way. We weren't billing 10 million a year, but we were billing a half a million a year in our second year. Pretty fucking great. Anyway, so I kill my ad agency and I agree to fund this thing for what started off as a month. Of course, when I got a month deep, I saw amazing progress. This platform that I invented, that I solely created, completely my idea, my business partner at the time designed the back end and the artwork and the logos, but the concept was 100% my concept. And I was so proud to see it go into effect. And it was working. And it was working well. And I enticed some salespeople from a local town that I was working out of to come in and work. Some good, solid, like, hand-to-hand combat salespeople, the kind of people that were selling for, like, newspapers and magazines and people that are used to going person-to-person and selling. And I got them on, and I started them on salaries, and I bought computer equipment, and I signed a lease on a big office, and I paid for all of these things out of my own money. Now, at this time, I had done pretty well over the previous couple years and I was able to save some money because I'd never saved any money in my entire life. So I was able to save some money because I had no retirement. I had no one 401k. I had nothing, just whatever was in my bank account that week. I was still a paycheck to paycheck guy. But over those couple years when business was good, because I was used to being poor all the time, I wasn't used to spending a lot. So I saved Well, I saved around $150,000 in liquid assets, and then I had another about $100,000 in physical assets, meaning like 401ks, IRA, savings accounts, retirement funds, things like that. So I had, you know, $250,000, $300,000 in liquid assets, right? That's cash, bonds, retirements, things like that. And then I had the home that I lived in and my automobiles and some properties and things that I had owned. So I had a decent net worth at that point. I was doing well in my life. Well, a very long story short, because I don't want to go an hour. I don't want this podcast to go to be an hour. I spent through, in that first 30 days, I saw so much promise and I spent through so much money just to keep the company going that I couldn't stop. So at the end of 30 days, what do you think happened? Do you think the guy showed up with the money? No, he didn't show up with the money. Instead, he had been starting to work behind my back to try to entice some of my sales associates and even my partner away from me, citing that if he could get even one of them to flip on me and say that I either wasn't a good leader or or whatever, that I wasn't a good leader or I wasn't doing my job, that they could get they could kick me out of the company, reduce my percentages, offer me a low-end buyout, and give these guys a piece of equity, like give them a piece of the, the big share. So bribing them to do it. Of course, nobody fucking did it. Everybody came back to me and told me what was going on and and spilled the beans, except for one shitty sales guy who I had no relationship with and had just signed him. He, of course, was fine with it. He just wanted money. But I couldn't figure out why would they... We have this amazing thing going on. I'm paying for it. They're the ones that breached the contract because they still haven't given me any fucking money. 70 days in, they've given me only $30,000 when at this point I should have $200,000. 
Why are they trying to do this? Well, here comes the big bell. This guy took my concept. He needed me to sign the contract. He needed to give me some sort of money so that he could prove on paper that he owned 50% of this concept and this idea. Once he technically owned 50% of the business, he immediately took it to an investment group in Europe, far, far away, far out of my eye or anybody that I would know or have any involvement with, and tried to, and successfully, from what I understand, sold 25% of his 50% for over a million dollars. <laughs> Can you fucking believe this? He sold 25% of his 50% for well over a million dollars and just took the money. But then the problem was he didn't want to pay right the money that he was supposed to pay to develop the business. He didn't want to pay it out of his sweetheart deal that he got with this other investor to buy some of his shares. He wanted to keep his money, <laughs> his stolen money. So he was trying to figure out a way to raise the other money. He was afraid that I was going to get wise to what he was doing. He was afraid that I was going to figure it out, like who he was. Because up until this point, I was very trusting. I was very believing what he had to say and all of his bullshit. Then one day I got smart and I asked the smartest person, not a person, the smartest entity on the planet about Mike Warren. I asked Google. It only took a few minutes on Google to find out that he had been arrested. From what I read, had gone to prison for, guess what, fraud, embezzlement, all kinds of stuff back in the 90s. This guy was investigated by the FBI. He had a history of being a piece of shit. He ran a company called Miss University. It stood for Multiple Income Stream University, where he sold his DVD packages. I encourage you, by all means, please go on Google and search Mike Warren scam. The very first couple things that'll come up are people saying that they bought his DVD set, they never received it, they never received the coaching that he promised, they didn't get their money back, he takes their credit card numbers and puts them on that auto thing with no no ability to cancel, he doesn't give an option to cancel, so all their credit cards keep getting billed $99 a month, and on average it took each customer three to four months to get their, their you know, they had to actually cancel their credit card to get it to stop. So imagine if you could get a thousand people to sign up for this recurring thing at a hundred bucks a month, right? And it took all of them three or four months to just figure out how to turn it off. Well, shit, a thousand people at a hundred, but you're making a hundred thousand dollars a month, right? For three or four months before they can turn it off. You made three or $400,000 in three or four months. And then you just do it again. And you're always adding people. And so my, my blood ran cold, my, my heart dropped, my face turned white when I read this. I immediately knew what was happening and why it was happening. In the meantime, I didn't let on. I started trying to figure out what I could do. Now, here's the problem, guys. I loved this concept and I believed in it so much that I went all in on it. I went all in on it and I spent through all of my money. I emptied my personal bank accounts, my retirement, my savings, my 401k, Everything I had in the world, I spent to try to keep this thing floating because it was working. This guy started pitching to me that we wouldn't need the investment money anymore. We wouldn't need it. Zach, you're not going to need it because I've done some calculating. And by my calculations, all you have to do is sign up 100 businesses next month. And this business pays for itself. And we don't even need the investment. Why go into debt with investors? Or uh, what are you talking about debt? I gave you 50% for a million and a half dollars. 
where's the million and a half dollars? Oh, well, we, you know, we can invest it later or we're going to put our money in. Don't worry, we're going to put it in. But for right now, the business can sustain itself. No, it can't, Mike. With that many clients, I, I don't get a salary. My partner doesn't get a salary. This is just enough to, for the business to pay for itself. What about our money? This guy is trying to convince me that he's so experienced and I'm just a young kid and I've got to trust him and all this shit, right? In the meantime, he's going behind my back to my partner, sending emails and late night phone calls, figuring out how literally, how can we oust Zach? And my partner's playing along now because of course he's told me and he's saying, well, I don't want Zach to get hurt. Well, no, no, we're going to offer him a fair buyout. Listen, listen, when you come in, we're going to give you 10% right out of the gate just for doing this for us. And we're going to offer Zach a fair buyout. Finally, D-Day comes. I confront them about this because they sent me this email saying that they were barring me from entering my own office space, that they were ousting me from the company. They had the support of the company and the board of directors unanimously, all this bullshit. They had no support, by the way. No one from my side supported it. And uh, I let them know that the cat was out of the bag. And they found out that my partner wasn't going with them and that it was out and they were in breach of their contract. And then I got the sad news from my lawyer. I cannot continue BizShare. I cannot keep doing it. I can't build the business that I've been working my ass off for, that I just poured my kids' college funds. And whatever I had, I mean, not really, I never spent any kids' college fund, but every cent that I had in the world, I just spent my grocery money, my car payment money, my mortgage money, and all of my time and work that I put into this I can no longer operate it. And you want to know why? Because they're going to file an injunction. Their threat is to file an injunction to bar me from operating or running BizShare themselves too. That neither party can operate, run, or sell this business until it gets its day in court where a judge will have to decide who was right or wrong. Now, they fucking damn well knew that they were in the wrong and they didn't have a leg to stand on. Here's the problem. This guy lives in Colorado. His business is in Colorado, and I'm in Pennsylvania at this point. All of our contracts were signed for Colorado. So we would have to go to court in Colorado. My dear friend and lawyer who's a federal judge, he doesn't practice in Colorado. At this time, he's now he's a practicing judge. He can't, even, he can't litigate. It's against the rules for a federal judge to litigate. He can't do it. He can't, doesn't act as an attorney anymore. So I would have to hire a litigation team. I would have to do a lot of bullshit if I wanted just to keep operating and making money. Then I thought, well, can I just change the name of it? Because it's my concept and they never paid for it. So fuck them. They're the ones in breach of contract. They're supposed to buy it from me. They didn't buy it from me. So they're in breach of contract, not me. Right? Seems legit, but no. Because what an injunction does is it means that no one can do anything until the judge decides and you have to have your day in court. For me to get my day in court with a friend, a bunch of lawyers that I'm friends with doing me a favor, none of them really litigate. So they pass me off to some of their friends that litigate to try to figure it out. And I need a good lawyer. I can't go in with like some local fucking dipshit from Colorado. I need to go in with a high powered New York attorney that knows business law and litigates to go in there and get me my fucking company back. Low estimates, including travel and time to prepare for a case like this, $30,000. At this time, I have $5,000 left in the world to my name. I have to make a mortgage payment, a round of car payments, feed my family, and I'm going to be broke. I no longer have a job. I'm unemployed now. 
because I've shut my ad agency down for, for months now. I've spent all my money on this project. This man, I tried to level with him. I tried and he wouldn't even talk to me. He put me on the phone with one of his underlings that worked for him. This guy tried to have this long drawn out conversation with me to tell me how fucked I am and how they have so many lawyers. All of it was untrue, by the way. They had no lawyers. They had no office. They had no nothing. This is just a, a group of about three or four scammers that work together, you know, like telemarketing guys that do it from the basement of their house. This guy's telling me that they're just going to crush me and they make me this big offer. Listen, Zach, we want to help you solve your problems. We want to help you solve your problems. Here's We don't want your family to suffer, Zach. You've got kids. We don't want your kids to suffer. Here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to make you an offer for $25,000 to buy you out of this company. And we'll let you keep 3% of revenue, profitable revenue, for five years after the company's running. They offer me $25,000 and 3% of my business that I built, created, and spent all of the money on to develop it. That's what they offer me. <laughs> They're supposed to give me a million and a half dollars. They've given me 30,000. It might not have even been 30. It might have been like 10. I'm trying I'm trying to remember. I, th- I think it was 30, but it might not have actually been 30. I'd have to ask my business partner anyway. They want to give me $25,000 instead and buy and if I just leave quietly and they'll, they'll develop it without me, right? This is called a power scam. They get you into a vulnerable position. Remember, he wanted me to quit my job. He needed me. It was demanded that I go out of business, that I close my lucrative ad agency to focus on this because he needed all of my attention. It took me, as you could imagine, a month to do that. It wasn't over. I had obligations to clients. I had to give them all a month's notice. I'm not going to be able to, to represent you anymore. Our agency is changing. I had to find them replacements, agencies that I trusted or other people that I thought could help them. A lot of these people were friends of mine. We developed relationships. So he tried to use that against me that I wasn't putting all my best efforts into the company because I was still, you know, operating my ad agency in the meantime for those 30 days. But this guy manipulated me from the start. He needed to separate me from my money, pump me up with lies that he was this huge business maverick and did business with Richard Branson and all these famous and fucking loud people, right? Big billionaires. He had to get me to believe that. Separate me from my income completely. Get me to go broke by giving me a little money because it has to look, the contract has to be real because lawyers did it. Then there has to be a taste of money or I'll get too skeptical. So there has to be just enough money to be like, yeah, I mean, they're sending me 10 grand every week right now. Like, they're going to, you know, they're having some trouble, you know, putting it together, but they're going to be fine. Like the guy's got like a billion, he's like a billionaire. He's got like a billion dollars and uh, he just has to move some money around. You know, it's above my pay grade because I'm just a little fucking dipshit from nowhere that never had any money. So I don't know anything, right? This is the approach this guy took with me to manipulate me so that later from the start, he knew I had a great idea. He wanted my idea and he wanted to get it for a total of 50,000 or less. He wanted to own me own my idea completely. No million and a half. So this is how he did it. I'm going to break it down. Got me to quit my job and separated me from my source of income. Got me to spend all of my own personal money. He, he asked me at one point how much money I had. And I told him because he said, how much do you have to work with? Like doomsday scenario. And I fucking told him how much money I had. Right. So he knew exactly how many months it would take 
to bleed me or get me to the point where I would say stop and I would have not enough money to litigate against him. Then he would put, cut me off, start this fear of an injunction so that I could no longer operate BizShare so I couldn't bring any money in in the meantime. And then he'd let me sit for a couple weeks, radio silence, not even respond to emails, nothing, right? Hopefully I would violate an injunction if he had gotten one, I would violate it. And then that would give the, that would automatically make me like the loser. If I violate the injunction, the judge will bar me from having anything to do with the company, give it to him, and then he can run off to the fucking hills. Or he just starves me out week after week, knowing my bills are mounting. He even told my partner, he's going to take the offer, believe me, because we're going to starve him out. His words, we're going to starve him out. Week after week, his bills are going to keep mounting and his money's going to keep dwindling until he's desperate. And when he's desperate, we're going to offer him $25,000 and he'll take it. This is what I do for a living. He's bragging to my partner because he thinks my partner is on his team now. My partner did like a double agent thing and acted like he flipped and was informing me. He tells him he's going to flip. Don't worry. We're going to flip him. He's going to break at $25,000, maybe even less. We're going to get him desperate and we're going to break him. This is what this. So this guy was always his intention to do this to me. So now I can't afford to litigate against him. I don't have $30,000 to fly lawyers from New York to Colorado to fight this guy in court. So my friend and confidant, Mike Rodriguez, again, tells me there's a statute on these things. Chances are they're not going to try to do anything with it because you have all the technology and all the idea. And if they try to do anything with it, you, Zach, you can also file an injunction. So they're not going to do that. You're at a stalemate. What you can do is just do nothing. Wait and see if they try to use any piece of your technology or rename your idea. If they do anything like that, you can file an injunction here in New York and fuck them over the same way. But chances are they're smart enough. They won't do that. Just let the time ride out. And after I don't know, three or four years goes by, if they haven't done anything, you can just take it back and do it. And at that point, you'll be in a different position. I said, so I have to just, I'm done. So here I was at 34 years old, completely cooked. My fucking goose is cooked, ladies and gentlemen. I am broke. I am poor again. But now I've got big bills because in those good years, I bought a big house. I live in a nice house. I've got a big mortgage. I've got two children, an infant, literally a one-year-old and a four-year-old. I am in bad shape for the following months for the following years broke for many months I was hiding my car at a friend's house because the repo man was coming to get it because I was months behind on my car payment I missed enough mortgage payments and car payments to take my credit score from a 750 to a 500 just like that I lost everything tangibly physically nothing that mattered because I didn't lose my family I didn't lose the things that matter the most to me my family and friends but I lost everything tangible that I had accumulated I was getting foreclosure notices on my home. They were coming to repossess my car. I had to sell my jewelry. I sold my guitars. I sold my watches, anything nice that I had gotten in my life from hard work. I had to part with all of it. My house was just like an eBay store, eBay and Craigslist. I sold everything, my four-wheeler, my motorcycle, my any extra luxury item that I had accumulated working my fucking dick off since I was 18 years old at a thousand different things down to all that was left was the clothes, the house and the kids and the furniture, the wife. That's all that I had at that point. That's it. And I was hiding everything so that it wouldn't get repossessed. 
And I had to rebuild myself one dollar at a time over the next five years to current day to build back. Slowly had to build back my credit. My credit was a pile of shit until just a year and a half ago. I finally was able to clean my credit up only because the banks saw how much money my businesses were making, kept offering me lines of credit because they, they, they want to loan me money. I kept telling my personal credit shot because I went through a rough time. And you know, it's funny how that works. All of a sudden, my, my credit's just good with banks. Chase Bank, Bank of America, PNC Bank, they offer me millions of dollars of credit. I don't take it because I don't, I don't fuck with banks that way. I don't fuck with lines of credit, but it's available. So the rest of my path, you guys kind of know. I started back up in a dirty nightclub and went back to my roots. A friend of a friend put me in touch with somebody who had a very dingy, disgusting dive bar nightclub in New York City. I went there and started promoting hip-hop battles three nights a week. I was the hip-hop, the white hip-hop king of Manhattan for a few years. Hip-hop battles three, four nights a week. I worked with everybody, rap battles out the ass. Uh, I did rock shows, any kind of music I could do, promoted shows, rented the venue out. I was making about $300 a day doing that. So, of course, three days a week was not cutting it, not for the bills that I had. I had I had to make, at that time, $8,000 a month just to cover my core costs, feed my family, pay all of my bills, loans, credit cards, automobile payments, mortgages. You know, I had to make a lot of money. So, I was working seven days a week. I got that room going seven. I had an event there seven nights a week. I was doing something out of there just to try to make enough money to live. And I... I I had to move out of my home. I lived with a friend because a lot I had a lot of problems going on in my life at that point. I had to move out of my house. I had to live closer to New York City for the commute. I had to only see my children on the weekend for a very long time. Uh, I went through probably the hardest time of my entire life. Broke, destitute. I was so depressed at one point that I really, for the first time in my life on any serious level, contemplated suicide for the reason that I found out that my life insurance would cover it. And I would, my kids would be taken care of if I blew my fucking brains out that my children would eat well and still get the good life that I had promised to give them. And, and they'd have maybe a better chance financially if I was dead. And maybe I just started thinking that the world would just be better if I was dead. This is how bad this situation affected me. It took everything from me, all my confidence. I was just obliterated to nothing. My confidence was gone. My personality was gone. I went into a deep depression. I was went from a guy that was wearing a shirt and tie to work and running his own ad agency and dreaming of Forbes, you know, 40 under 40 to being a guy who couldn't even pay his car payment, was hiding his car from a repo man and working in one of the most disgusting dive bars in New York City um, around horrible people. Um, The owners were horrible around horrible people in a disgusting environment with a bikini bar with drug addict stripper bartenders that I was, you know, dealing with, I was just reduced to nothing. And I had to commute two hours each way just to go make $300 of which it would cost me well over a hundred dollars just to, to make the trip every day. And, um, yeah, lowest point of my life, all provided by this guy, Mike Warren. Now, five years later, I've done better over the last five years than I had ever done previously. I have accomplished some of my wildest dreams. My dream of retiring young from the workforce, right? And becoming a full-time philanthropist is a real dream and it's actually going to happen. I am actually going to do that in the next decade. Before the next decade ends, I will, you know, within 10 years from now, 
I will retire from the workforce by choice and have enough money to go seed tens of millions of dollars all over the globe and do good and do philanthropy and go fishing and spend time with my daughters and uh, play my guitar and ride my motorcycle for the rest of my life. But I am thankful for Mike Warren because without him royally fucking the pants off of me, ripping me off for a million dollars and leaving me in a ditch to die, without him doing that, I would have never been able to become what I am today. So I'm thankful. I forgive him, right? I empathize with his position. How What a horrible inside this man must have to do such bad things. I can empathize with his bad position. I forgive him, right? I will even go as far as to say I can even find love in my heart for him. But he did this and people need to know because guess what, guys? He's doing it again. He's resurfaced because he was hiding for a while. He's resurfaced on Instagram, on the social platforms, touting himself as a best seven-time best-selling author again, posting pictures of him because, you know, he goes to all these, like, business <coughs> telemeeting things and uh, these business conferences at, like, hotels where, like, the guest speaker is Richard Branson. Somebody paid Richard Branson $500,000 to speak at their event. And then Mike waits all day to get in line to get a photo with this guy. Then he posts the photo as if he's doing business with Richard Branson. He's one of these, like, phony guys. And so he's doing it again. And in light of him doing it, I just decided today that I'm going to start telling my story about him. And I'm going to let people know that men like this that prey on the goodwill of other people are, are shit. And people need to be warned not to get involved with people who do these types of things. So that is my story about the motherfucker that ripped me off for a million and a half dollars and left me in a virtual ditch to die and how I recovered from it. And I'll talk more about it in coming podcasts, but now you've got the backstory. Thanks for listening for 50 minutes. I'm Zach Neal at the real Zach Neal on all social media. Follow me, DM me on Instagram. Thanks guys.